Please turn with me in your Bibles now to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. This morning we will be looking at verses 14 through 17. I'm going to go ahead and read, though, um, from verse 10. Now, our Lord Jesus never said that the Christian walk would be an easy one. It's not a walk in the park, but a, a narrow road filled with uh, many trials and tribulations. But our, our Lord promised that in this walk, he would be with us even to the end of the age. Paul also describes here the Christian life as a fight, as a battle, which requires great strength, even supernatural strength. But again, in this fight, you are not on your own, yet we are called to battle. We are called to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might in this. So far, in considering this passage, we have looked at the context and the nature of this battle. We've considered our enemy and his schemes. We've been reminded of our need for the Lord's strength and the certainty of victory if we have the armor and we fight with the armor that the Lord has provided. But what are the resources for defense and for victory that the God has provided? How do we put them on? That's what we're going to be considering today. How do we stand firm in the faith? Let me pray before we begin. Lord, we ask that you would give us understanding Open our eyes that we might see wonderful things in your law, in your word. We pray that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit says to the church. And Lord, help us not to be like those who look at our natural face in the mirror and as soon as we look, we turn away and forget what kind of people we are. But help us to be doers of the word not merely hearers only who deceive themselves. We ask that you would bless us in this. Humble us before you as we listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is God's word, brothers and sisters. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. Now, as as Christians, brothers and sisters, we are in a great conflict 
against supernaturally strong enemies, enemies that are not flesh and blood at all, but rather they are spiritual. And so if you are to have any success in this war, you need a different sort of weapon, different sort of armor. And this is the armor that God has provided and has commanded that you are to put on so that you may be able to stand firm against this supernaturally strong enemy. So you need this armor. That's one point to remember. Without it, you are defenseless. Without it, you are helpless. And we may have confidence, secondly, that this, this armor works. So that is good news. You have an enemy who is ruthless, who is crafty, and who aims to ruin your soul. He has slain billions. But we have a sure way to resist him. Paul says this in verse 11, and then he repeats it in verse 13, to take up this armor that you may be able to stand firm and to resist. And that means that this armor that God has given works. It is sufficient. So what sort of armor is this? It's called the armor of God. So you see here, right away, it is a gift. It is not something that you bring to the fight from your own resources, from your, from your own thinking, your own seminary classes, if you had them, or whatever. You don't bring it from your own strength. The resources that we have are God's provision for you. That's why it's called the armor of God. It is from God. Now, in verse 20, if you were to scoop, uh, look down a little further, you will see that Paul was writing this letter from prison. He was under arrest. He was in chains. And there were times when Paul would be chained to a Roman soldier, sometimes even chained between two soldiers. And it has often been assumed that Paul would look at these soldiers as he's writing this letter, and he saw in their armor a good way to illustrate the, the battle that we have and the resources we need in our spiritual conflict with the devil. And that's an interesting thought, but uh, a guard wouldn't need to be in full battle gear. He's not going to war when he's guarding a prisoner. But Paul knew what a soldier looked like. The believers in Ephesus would likely have been familiar with the Roman soldiers as well, and no doubt they would have thought of that somewhat as they read this. Paul speaks here of this armor. He enumerates it and talks about each piece. There are six pieces that are mentioned. The belt, the breastplate, the shoes, a shield, a helmet, and a sword. It is a soldier's complete outfit. You wouldn't want to go to battle without having all of these things with you. So you certainly want a sword, right? Nobody wants to face the enemy without a weapon. That would be ridiculous. And knowing that the enemy is going to be shooting flaming arrows at you, you definitely want a shield as well. You don't want to have to try to block arrows with your sword, as cool as that might look. It probably won't work very well. And since the task here is to stand firm, you need good shoes. 
You don't want to go to war barefoot, of course, so that's obviously important. The helmet, there to protect your head, which is important. The breastplate protects your heart, your vital organs. These are all necessary. And a Roman soldier's belt was not a belt like you and I have. It was more like an, a leather apron, which covered all the way down to the thighs. Uh, it, was, it was protection and also bound up everything, all the long flowing garments they might have that they might be ready to fight. So um, all of these things would be necessary for you in the battle. My point in saying all this is that all of these items are important. You don't want to be missing any of it. You need the whole armor of God, the full armor of God. And if you have it all, then you're indeed quite well equipped. Everything is covered. That's why Paul is telling us to put on all of it, the full armor of God. Now, of course, you know this is an illustration. You don't actually have a sword. You don't get an actual belt or breastplate or a helmet. Those are just illustrations of the spiritual resources that we need. So I'm not going to go into great detail about these items that the soldier would have. Also, it's not always clear why one virtue is connected with a particular piece of the armor. It seems like Paul is just illustrating this in general and that we shouldn't be too clever trying to figure out why one virtue goes with each thing, especially if you were to compare this with 1 Thessalonians 5.8, which says this, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So there in Thessalonians, the breastplate is not a breastplate of righteousness. It is a breastplate of faith and love. And so it doesn't seem like this necessarily needs to be connected with one piece of the armor. Also there in Thessalonians, that the helmet is not the helmet of salvation. It is the hope of salvation. So maybe this is just a way for Paul saying to put on faith, hope, and love as he puts all these together very often. So this is one difficulty in understanding the full armor of God. Why does each piece go with each virtue? And there are many good ideas about it. Some of these ideas are, as Calvin would often say, more, more ingenious than solid. And I have my guesses, but I'm not here to speculate from behind the pulpit. I don't think that will be terribly edifying for us. So we'll stick with what we know more certainly. Now, I won't go into much detail about these pieces of equipment, except I will come back later on to the shield. But first, I want to go back to where this illustration came from. Certainly, Paul and the Ephesians were familiar with a Roman soldier's outfit. But this is not where the idea came from. It comes from the Old Testament. It comes from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 11 spoke about our Lord Jesus and how the Holy Spirit would rest upon him and provide him with the wisdom and the strength that he would need to do his ministry perfectly. 
And in verse 5 of that chapter, it says, Righteousness will be the belt about his loins. And faithfulness, or you could translate it, truth, the belt about his waist. In Isaiah 59, we have an amazing picture of God as a warrior, and he sees the plight of men on earth, and there, there is no one to help, no one to save. And it says this, And he saw that there was no man, and was astonished that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought salvation to him, and his righteousness upheld him. And he put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And lastly, I think that the gospel shoes of peace come from Isaiah 52, 7, where it says, How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace. Now, this applies to everyone who shares the gospel, but it applies especially to our Lord Jesus. As Paul, alluding to this verse earlier in Ephesians, said, He came and preached peace to those who were far and peace to those who were near. So here's an amazing thing. The armor that you are called to take up and to put on is not just the armor that God provided. It is the armor that God wore. It is the armor that God used. It was Jesus who Isaiah prophesied would come to earth to save us with a belt of faithfulness around his waist, with righteousness as a breastplate, with a helmet of salvation on his head, that God had made his words like a sword. And he was prepared with the beautiful shoes, the beautiful feet, prepared to proclaim good news and peace to those who were far and to those who were near. That is your Savior, dressed in his righteous armor. And brothers and sisters, doesn't that put this whole armor in a different perspective? Without this armor, you are naked and defenseless against the devil's attacks. But what fear must it strike into Satan's heart to see the sword that, that defeated him before in your hand? This is a little bit nerdy for me to use this illustration, but I'm not the only nerd in this room I know. If you've seen the Lord of the Rings and you know how Aragorn gets that sword, the reforged sword that had defeated Sauron in the past, and he sees it and it strikes fear in Sauron's heart when he sees it in Aragorn's hand. It's something similar to that. We have God's armor given to us. This is the armor that was used to defeat Satan before. Now God gives it to us. That is great encouragement, I think. But more than that, God's, God cannot simply give you righteousness, like righteousness in a bag. There's no such thing. Jesus gives us himself. This armor cannot be separated from God's own presence. It cannot be separated from who Jesus is. Jesus is our righteousness. God has become our salvation. We've heard it today. The gospel is all about Jesus. 
And so when God gives us this armor and putting it on, it really means living out our lives as belonging to Christ, as being united to Christ. It means putting off the old man and putting on Christ himself, who is our righteousness, who is the way and the truth and the life, who is our salvation, and he himself is our peace. Paul wrote really the same thought in Romans 12 when he said, The night is almost gone, the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of the darkness and put on the armor of light. And then he put it this way, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, what you need to be perfectly protected from the devil is Jesus himself, who has been raised from the dead and now has been raised above every name that could be named in heaven and on earth. All the princes and the powers of the air, God has raised Christ and enthroned him above them all. With all your enemies forever under his feet. And now your enemies are vanquished enemies. We go in to fight a war that we know we will win. The helmet of salvation holding up our head high, knowing we win this battle through Jesus Christ, through his strength. What you see, what you need, therefore, is not your own righteousness to protect you. For your righteousness is like filthy rags. It's Christ's righteousness credited to your account by faith alone. His righteousness is unassailable. Now, of course, every believer who has Christ as his righteousness also has Christ as our sanctification. And so, yes, we are also called to be more and more like him. More and more we will do the deeds of righteousness. We will speak truth. We will be prepared by the gospel not only prepared by the gospel to stand fast, but be prepared to share the gospel with others. But all of this flows from this objective truth that Christ has united him, Christ has united you to himself. And that in this way, you can do all things. Without him, you can do nothing, but you can do all things through him who strengthens you And God is calling you here to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, all that brings me back to this shield, for it is the shield of faith. It's by faith that we take hold of Christ. It is by faith that you have been saved, Ephesians tells us. It's by faith that we take hold of Christ and partake of all his benefits. This, too, is a gift. This, too, is provided by God as part of the armor that he gives us. And by this faith, we confess we have no defense. We have no strength of our own. We put ourselves wholly on Christ and his righteousness. And when you cling to Christ, you have won the victory already. For that is the one attack that Satan has. You break it down, all his, his strategies In one way or another, it all leads to the same thing, separating you from God, keeping you from God. You cling to Christ, and the battle's won. 
is by this faith that we hear God's word, that we receive it, that we benefit from it, that we cast ourselves and all our hope on our great Savior, God himself. What was it that God first told Abram? He said, fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. There in David, you see a picture of someone putting on that armor. How does he do it? By clinging to Christ, seeing that God is his refuge, and not fighting from his own military experience, which he had plenty, but casting himself on the Lord Jesus, casting himself on God for salvation. Brothers and sisters, God is your security. You take hold of him by faith. He makes himself available to you. You believe it. You receive it. And you go to him in prayer for refuge. Now, there were a few different types of shields that a Roman soldier might use. But when you think of this shield here, don't think of some little round shield like Captain America would have had. Now, the word used here is specifically the word, a word related to the word for door. It was a specific type of shield, a huge shield, about four and a half feet tall, about two feet wide. And when soldiers fought together, they would often put their shields together to form an impenetrable wall. And that reminds me, brothers and sisters, that the Christian life is not one, a one-on-one -on -one battle with you and Satan. So if you think of Pilgrim's Progress, as much as I love that book, it's my second favorite book in all the world. The picture there of one person fighting Satan is not quite the right picture. This whole book of Ephesians has been telling us about how God saved the church, how he brought us together into one people, and that he's building us up together into a mature man. This whole letter is about the church and being in Christ, and this part of the letter is no exception. It is not some individual battle that you have against Satan. We put our shields together into a mighty army, and that makes me feel a little bit better to know that my brothers and sisters around me encourage me. They build up my faith. They remind me of the gospel, that you, your faith is strengthened by your brothers and sisters, seeing them stand fast, linking our shields, as it were, with the saints of old, and see how they stood firm by faith, and that we have this mighty cloud of witnesses around us as well. Brothers and sisters, we are called to stand firm together as a church, and we are stronger when we stir up each other's faith, when we pray for one another. So brothers and sisters, encourage one another in the battle. Help your brothers and sisters. 
Pray for them. Take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. And with the faith in one hand and God's word in the other, you are sufficiently armed and protected against the evil one. Now you see in this illustration why it would be such an effective strategy for Satan to scheme to attack your faith and to make you cast doubt on God's word. Did God really say this? If you are God's son, then turn the stones into bread, casting doubt on God's word. Because if you do and you lose faith, then you have dropped both your sword and your shield, and then you will quickly lose the battle. So we must hold tight to these things. There is a verse in 1 John that's, I think, of great encouragement here. John wrote, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. And I think John Stott was right when he suggested that these, three, these things are related to one another. They are strong, and they have overcome the evil one precisely because the word of God abides in them. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. How can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word? Now, finally, I've tried to emphasize that all our strength is in the Lord. Our armor comes from him. But that doesn't mean that you are to be passive in this battle. No, you are called to be strong. God's strength, of course, doesn't change. He's always strong. The command is rather that we are to be strong in his strength. Again, the armor is already there, but you are commanded to take it up. You are commanded to put it on. God's word is powerful, and Satan cannot stand up to it. But you must take up that sword. We must study God's word. We must ransack it, as it were, as Jesus did, and fought off the devil's temptations with it. We must seek wisdom and strength in everything we need from God in this battle and cling to him and rest in his truth. We must pray that God would increase our faith and deliver us from our trials and our temptations. We need to put on Christ to keep close to him. And as we behold him, as we are in fellowship with him, we are changed more and more into his likeness, transformed from glory to glory. And in all of this, you are to make no provision for the flesh and for its lusts. Do not give the devil an opportunity. I wonder if God is calling you now to turn away, to put to death some sin that you still cling to. Brothers and sisters, this is like a a hole in your armor. It's like an open wound to be infected. God calls us to repent. God calls us to come to him for salvation. And he, you will find him to be not just a warrior, but your healer as well.
through him, you will win this battle if you come to him and cling to him. Because God has provided you with everything you need, his own battle-tested armor. He has laid up for you there in Christ everything necessary for life and godliness. He started the letter this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's all there, available for you in Christ. Brothers and sisters, will you take it up? Will you put it on? Will you come to the Lord Jesus for your strength? Will you fix your eyes on Christ and look to him in faith for the help that you need? If you do, then you will stand with confidence in your strong Savior in the evil day. And you may confidently say with the victorious saints of old, the battle belongs to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are our strength. You are our shield. You are our hope. We rest in you, Lord. We trust you. We look to you. Save us, Lord, for we call upon you, no other God. You are the one that we belong to. You are our hope in life and in death. We pray that you would hold us fast. Give us the victory that you might be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.